All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome in to Daily Face Off Live, your go to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. It's finally draft day. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live, a June 28th edition of the show live from Nashville, Tennessee. Draft day in Music City. Frank, that's got to get you going. Oh, it's got me going. It's uh, I'm also trying to just stay hydrated. It's ridiculously hot here yet again. And uh, so much percolating out there. So many names in the mix this morning. I can tell you it's been a wild morning working the phone so far. Yeah, we've already seen a couple of uh, a couple nuggets of news that dropped earlier today. We'll get to that a little bit later on. As always, the show is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Latest 2023 draft odds up now on their site. And I have a couple more I like that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. But let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with the big news of yesterday, Frank. We talked about it. There were rumblings for a couple of days, but the LA Kings finally land Pierre-Luc Dubois in a sign-in trade with the Jets. They give up a haul. They signed mm-hmm. to an eight-year, $8.5 million deal. You hemmed and hawed when I called it a haul. Mm-hmm. Not that I could say that 10 times fast. What did you think of the package they gave up? Uh, I thought it was fair. I mean, okay. look, I don't think it's an overwhelming return for the Winnipeg Jets, and in some ways to be expected because they ended up in this spot with the player having all the leverage at the end of the day, what essentially ended up happening here is Pierre-Luc Dubois had told the jets. I want to go to LA, not Montreal. Like everyone was thinking. And he said, the Kings, that's my team. That's where I want to play. That's where I want to sign an extension. And so when you're handcuffed and can only really send them in one direction to try and extract as much value as you can is difficult. And you know, you see the Kings send back three players. I get it from Winnipeg's perspective because, and they also, of course, get the pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, 
you know, they send three roster players. But I think in this case, if I were the Jets, knowing that you need to do a lot of your business, and maybe this is easier said than done, because we also, LA knows the leverage game and the situation. I prefer quality over quantity. And in this case, I felt like the Jets got quantity, not necessarily high quality. 23 goals in 63 games for Gabe Velarde, 23 years old. I, like, I think that's I, a I like I follow a lot too, but yeah. I also think at some point, um, when you know, when you take a look at him and his impact, um, you know, he's one of those guys that's from the US. Like you're gonna be back potentially in this situation another year from now with a guy that's entering the final year of his deal at four million bucks. It's like, hey, is he really gonna stay in Winnipeg? Yeah, that's fair. And and maybe you are just kicking the can further down the line and there may have to be a point where you just say, okay, we got to start selling these guys off for our own draft picks. Uh, the LA Kings, does this change how you view them in terms of the Pacific division power rankings? Let's say like, is this move significant enough where you go, okay, they now have enough to beat the Edmonton Oilers. They have enough to potentially beat the golden Knights in a playoff series. Well, I think they're right there. Yeah. I think they're in the mix. And I think that the big thing that they still need to shore up is their goaltending position. I think a lot of people were real curious yesterday afternoon as this was all coming together and you knew how complex it was. Was there any chance that they could potentially include Connor Hellebuck in the package? Obviously, super expensive to then sign to the next deal, which has really limited his market. But when you have a center group and your team is built down the middle with a foundational core of Andre Kopitar, Philip Deneau as your third line center, and Pierre-Luc Dubois 2C. I mean, that's as strong as any. It's not the best in the division because that still belongs to the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but it allows you to compete if you believe that center and your blue line are the real cores of your your team and how it's structured. $4.5 million in projected cap space for the LA Kings. Just checking out their cap friendly sheet right now. 11 forward signed, four D-men signed, and only one goalie. So it'll be interesting to see how they fill out their roster and what the Kings end up doing between the pipes with all the movement we saw yesterday. Hayes, Dubois, Toffoli. We're going to talk to Ryan Pinder from Flames Nation and Barnburner in the middle of the show about that Toffoli deal. That means you had to do a new trade targets, Frank. Mm. You got put to work. A new trade targets up now, dailyfaceoff.com. It's going to be linked in the YouTube description as well. Noah Hannafin moves into the top five of a new look trade targets, but I want to start at the top. That guy, Alex Debrinka, at number one. Is that going to happen today? I, I put you on the spot with it. Is I know. it going to happen today? I don't have a crystal ball. Okay. I can't answer that, but I do think that there has been significant interest. And I think the Sens are in a spot where if they can, they'd like to recoup as many cents on the dollar as possible. And I saw lots of speculation out there um, that, you know, Hey, maybe something's close with Detroit. Maybe mm -hmm. you can send that number 17 overall pick plus a, something else, a package that includes Philip Zadina, who is a new addition to our trade targets board. Is that enough to entice the Ottawa senators? They had number seven overall that they sent to Chicago last year to get to bring it. Yeah. And then now to, you know, essentially move back 10 spots and what's a deeper draft. It's not equal, of course, but maybe that is one way, one avenue for Pierre Dorian to to um, reposition the sends and also kind of get a player, you know, that's of value or potential value to them if they can, you know, regenerate or rejuvenate his career as a high volume uh, shooter. That could, you know, maybe just take a flyer on Zadina, for instance, that, you know, you get the pick, you get a player that you can try out in your lineup and see what happens. And look, the Sens, it, it's not going to be a hole in their lineup, but 
it's hard to replace Alex to a guy that can score 40 goals on your wing. Um, you can't, you know, do that likely in one shot. Other new names going on the board. And again, it's all up at dailyfaceup.com. Jeff Petrie, Zach Bogosian, Anthony DeClaire, Morgan Geeky. And then you mentioned Philip Zadina as well. Out of that crew of those new names, which situation is maybe the most intriguing to you? Um, repeat the names again. I was just looking at my text. Petrie, Bogosian, DeClaire, Geeky. You know, Petrie and Bogosian, two guys in their 30s on defense, two totally different situations and structures. The Penguins are trying to move the six and a quarter that Petrie's making. They want to get younger. And Bogosian is a guy that's looking for more opportunity. Right shot guy, 850 bucks that can play reliably and consistently on your third pair. Um, Which one intrigues me the most? I, I would probably say of those three, geeky. Uh, he's a guy that I think still has some room to grow in his game. An original Seattle Kraken expansion pick from Carolina, uh, hit nine goals last year. You know, I, I think he could get to 20 on in the right team, the right situation. And so that also means he needs a new contract too. Yeah. So whoever gets him is going to have to give him a, a little pay bump and, uh, geeky certainly, uh, in the mix today. The name that's number five on your trade targets board. Well, it's not a name. It's a draft pick. I want to talk. It is draft day about maybe some potential movement in the top 10 of this draft. And all the attention, it seems right now, is on the Montreal Canadiens at number five. Take me through that situation. Is it a they want to trade down? Is it a they're going to see how the first four picks play out and then make the decision from there? Are they looking to maybe outright move the pick? What's going on? No, I, I think they certainly want to try and remain in the top 10 or so if they can. Mm-hmm. But what I think they're looking at right now is the fluidity of the draft board. And I truly believe that as they're weighing what I believe are as many as five different options or deals on the table and offers for that number five pick is to see what develops. I think they have their eye, I think, on one player in particular. And if he were to go off the board before then... They think that they might, I'm guessing they think that they might be able to move a little bit further down the board and still get the next player that they want on their list, uh, potentially of, you know, sort of equal value. And if another team values moving into that top five spot more than they do, mm-hmm. I think they'd seize on that opportunity. So the Habs uh, certainly not looking to, you know, get out of the first round or anything like that. It would have to be a pretty special move, I think, even just to move up a few spots, given the value of these picks and where teams perceive it. But nonetheless, uh, in a draft year and draft board, that's fascinating. You hear tons of rumblings out there. Scouts were buzzing on Tuesday night saying, hey, is it possible that the Anaheim Ducks could take Matvey Mishkov at two? I, I mean, look, Pat Verbeek has been saying for weeks and months now that they're taking a center to see a pivot. I mean, he'd be one of those guys in Steve Eiserman style to, you know, to maybe go down that path. I still think they go Fantilli. So my prediction is Bedard one, Fantilli two, Carlson three, Smith four. Then where does Matt Bay Michkov go? I have a feeling he ends up at the end of the day with the Flyers but I don't have a real strong sense. And that's the best part about this is I'm not bullshitting anyone because the teams don't know themselves. 
Yeah, like it, it's weird to be sitting here on draft day and have the situation still seem as fluid as it is. All eyes on Mitchkov when it comes to the draft board, but let's get to maybe just some news just, and notes. Yeah, a quick one. Um, David Kampf has re-signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Four-year deal, $10 million, so $2.5 million AAV. And Kampf was an interesting guy because I think a lot of people assume that if he made it to market, that he'd be one of those guys that could potentially be back with Kyle Dubas on the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Penguins. So uh, the Maple Leafs get a piece of business done on Wednesday morning. Uh, Kampf staying in Toronto. He was certainly on our top 50 uh, free agents. A guy that just seemed to fit really well with the Leafs. Uh, some versatility coming off a 27-point season. Let's keep talking about news we got today. Ross Colton is on the move out of Tampa Bay. The Colorado Avalanche acquiring the pending RFA in exchange for the 37th overall pick. A pick. They got yesterday by trading Alex Newhook to the Montreal Canadiens. I think this is an awesome piece of work by Avs GM Chris McFarland. You give up Newhook, you give up pick whatever, 37, or I guess you get, didn't really have it. Yeah, yeah, but you get pick 31 and, and 37 for Newhook. Yeah, yeah, essentially it's, it's what great it work. down yeah. to. Uh, it gives you some versatility, as we yeah. just mentioned. And what it does really is spells the end of JT Comper's run in Colorado. Because now when you look at Colton, a guy that can play center, can play wing, Essentially, what you can do with your lineup now is you've got McKinnon in the one spot. Then you can uh, you can go with um, Ryan Johansson at two, yeah. and then put Ross Colton at number three center, and fits your cap. Fits you know they've got to sign Colton now, and that's the next part of the the puzzle. But to get him in a in a role that you feel three C you know, second line wing, whatever it might be. You've got lots of different options for Colton and your team is probably pretty well set up down the middle. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a really nice uh, piece of work. Also, uh, we're going to talk about Calgary in a little bit with our pal Ryan Pinder. Um, but they got Yegor Sharangovich. Yeah, Sharangovich signed uh, this morning, two years, $3.1 million AAV mm-hmm. uh, in Calgary. So, you know, quick work to get that done after the Toffoli trade on uh, on Tuesday night. And so, you know, the Flames have a, a nice little, you know, third line piece that they can plug right into the mix. Uh, we're just waiting on our pal Ryan Pinder. We're going to talk a little bit more Calgary Flames. But Frank, we got some questions in, uh, in yeah, the YouTube go. chat. So let's get into it here. Let's Drop go. them in there if you're watching on the Daily Face Off YouTube. J-Rock is in and says, am I the only one that sees O'Reilly going to Detroit reunite with Perron, live close to his family in Toronto. Any landing spots? Like It's weird because the we're so draft-focused. But free agency is like four days away. What's yeah, the market for O'Reilly? It's actually three. Yeah, three, sorry. Um, it's crazy how quickly this week goes by. There's so many yeah. things happening. Um, I think O'Reilly would be a decent fit. And obviously, Steve Eiserman has shown that he's not afraid to, um, you know, to go to free agency and, and add. You saw... The, the guys that he picked up last year in Sherratt and Cop. Uh, personally, I, I'd be concerned with O'Reilly about the term. Like, I think he's a guy whose game has really slowed down a bit. The ultimate competitor. Um, and yeah, are the Red Wings looking to boost their team down the middle for sure? I just, I'd be real curious at what term and what dollars because I think he's more one of those guys that feels like a uh, a nice final piece of the puzzle fit as opposed to a guy that's really going to try and drive a team back into the playoffs. Tyler Mulek wants to know about Eric Carlson, the line you gave on the DFO rundown, which is available now. If people want some more draft day content, uh, the line you used was it feels like it's now or never. 
that's what this summer feels like for Eric Carlson. Look, I know that the Sharks have had a few teams call. I know the Toronto Maple Leafs were one of them. I wonder about the Seattle Kraken. But for a defenseman coming off of a 100-point season that has had significant injury trouble before, what happens if somehow he goes back to being a 60-point guy next season and teams are looking at him saying, this is the highest-paid defenseman in the league with significant term left on his deal. We have zero interest at all if he just goes back to being a sort of you know, average or more average NHL defenseman instead of, uh, you know, a Harlem Globetrotter that he was last season. So uh, that's of consideration and concern. Got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Uh, but here's the complicating factor. I think the Sharks have capped the idea of retaining salary on Carlson at somewhere around 20%. They yeah. don't really want to go beyond that. So, you know, Mike Greer was saying at his press availability on Tuesday, anyone thinking that we're going to retain 50% on Carlson, you're dreaming. Isn't to me, that feels a bit foolish to not sit there and say, this is our summer to trade him. Let's keep half and actually get something here and help our rebelong. Like you're not going to need that cap space for the next few years. Uh, that's exactly what I would be doing. I've said yeah. all along, the sharks have not properly valued the ability to get off of Eric Carlson's contract and create more cap flexibility. So if you're asking a team to take on nine point three million dollars is what 20 percent would be i mean how many teams can actually afford that how many teams would need to carve out nine million bucks off of their current roster in order to make it work plus then pay the assets required to get him from san jose i I still think it's a long shot i peg er carlson's chances to get traded at 10 percent not much more than that and and if we'll he see. falls back to a 60 70 point demon next year good luck ever moving it that's now or never yeah 100 uh what else is going on here rip wants to know if there's anything going on victor olafson of the sabers um I, obviously they've been talking to teams about olafson a guy that teams look at as sort of a ready make you know think of the i i don't know why this this analogy popped into my head but you know those like easy mac cups that you just like pour some water in and throw it in the microwave. Like that's Victor Olofsson getting you 17 goals. And so I think he's one of those guys you just kind of plug into your lineup and, and go. And the other part with Olofsson is he's got one year left at four, seven, five. Like he then Mm -hmm. becomes a UFA. They'd have to pay him. You know, I said 17. I was way light. He had 28 last year, but Mm -hmm. 20 the year before. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a goal scorer, and yeah. he's available. Uh, Should have been on my trade targets board, so apologies that he didn't make it in the top 50. That was an oversight on my part. Uh, Sean Maloney wants to know if there's an update on Clem Costin's situation. Cedric is in and also wants to know what Edmonton could get up to this weekend. Edmonton is working the phones. Uh, they are trying to, uh, to find somewhere for Kyler Yamamoto to go. Yeah. Uh, have not been successful to this point mm-hmm. and elsewhere i think the best way to describe what ken holland is up to is essentially nibbling around the edges he's looking to make some tweaks and improve the team but isn't going to be trading any pieces or drastic pieces you heard him mention mcleod at his availability on tuesday very unlikely that that happens yeah uh let's stay in alberta ken holland may not be busy but flames gm craig conroy certainly will be let's get to the all 32 with ryan pinder
Tight squeeze on the All 32 as we welcome in Ryan Pinder from Flames Nation. He's going live in like 10 minutes with Barnburner as well. And you guys have a lot to talk about. He moved yesterday, sending Tyler Toffoli to the Devils in exchange for Yegor Sharangovich in a third round pick. What do you make of going after a younger roster player like Sharangovich versus just strictly futures? Well, I mean, personally, I was hoping that we'd see more of a futures deal from the Flames, but I get it. It's kind of been the MO of the Flames, you know, like every year continually stay competitive, get into the playoffs. And this kind of feels like it's a deal that walks that tightrope of remain somewhat competitive, but also get younger rather than the full teardown and also not bringing back, you know, a guy like a 30 year old with an expiring deal. So, I, I think the Flames obviously have to like Sharon Govich to do this. I'm a little confused by the extension, given that if they like it and there's a bit of a risk that pays off if they're right, they walk them right to UFA. But I, I don't know. I mean, Frank would know more about what the market bears. I was hoping they'd try to get a first, but maybe that just wasn't a, for them. It would have been a late first. And yeah. then you're, you're thinking, okay, somewhere in the 25 to 31 range or 32, how long is it going to take for that player to make an impact? It's yeah. we're talking five years, four years. So it's a long ways off. And I think in the meantime, they want to try and find as many support pieces. And the nice thing about Sharon Govich is one, he competes and two, you know, he's got some experience that you can just, you know, set and forget, put him right in there. There's some tools, right? Like he's a great skater. If you strictly look at what went in and what went out and rather than compare what they could have got, you're moving a guy that is in his thirties and was one of your worst skating forwards. Yes. He had a career year. Yes. He's a great finisher, yeah. but you instantly add me skating forwards, like a bell Russian Dylan Dubé was the way I heard Ryan Pike describe him. I'm like, okay, well kind of see that the size isn't the same, but a guy that can blaze up and down the wing. And then we hear Craig Conroy say, you know, we think you can play all three positions. It's like, Oh, okay. Cause there is a dearth at center. If, if right. you look at Nazem Kadri heading into his 33 year old season, Michael Backlund's future is very much up in the air. Ditto for Elias Lindholm. And then all you're talking about is a fourth line center that's left on the roster. I mean, if he can play the middle, I do start to see why they, they could sort of dream on these tools. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're to spin it forward and what Craig Conroy is up to next, and I'm told uh, after getting the Sharon Govich deal done this morning, nothing really front burner at this exact moment in time. Obviously, that can change over the next number of hours. But what would your priority be? Would it be trying to move Noah Hannafin before round one to make sure that you get into, you know, get a higher pick in round one or get in the mix for a second one? Or or would you hang on to him and, and wait and see what develops? Well, I just... This, this is a very philosophical, where are the Flames, what should they do type chat. And I think what's transpired the last three weeks, I think has a lot of people, one week really, geez, it's all happening at once. It's sort of, I think has a lot of people saying, look, they need to at least start getting considerably younger. You pair that with what seems to be a pretty unparalleled draft class, like talking to some people on the data side, as well as the eyeball test scouts, like everyone thinks this is an incredible crop. If you could get two picks in the teens, I think you've really got a chance to move this franchise forward, not just for a year or two, but for a decade. I mean, you're not going to get exactly the same, but you look what 2003 did for the Ducks with Getzlaff and Perry. Those weren't top 10 picks. Like mm -hmm. Those are one in the teens, one in the 20s. I would love to see them try to add that. Does the market bear that for Noah Hannafin? I would think so. The, a first and two seconds seems to be the, the currency for 
a solid top four defenseman. It's what the Flames paid for Hamannick many moons ago. It's what you saw Hampus Lindholm command when he went from Anaheim to Boston. It's also what you saw the Flames give up for a young Dougie Hamilton. All different kinds of D, Mm -hmm. but I would suggest if you could get in there, that would be my preference. Whether the Flames are willing to do that, that's different. So what? which avenue, I guess, like which door would you open to try and accomplish that? Obviously, they're trying with Lindholm to keep him. and from the teams that I've talked to that have called on Lindholm, they've basically said, thanks, uh, you know, duly noted, I'm going to, you know, write your name down mm-hmm. and I'll call you if he's in the mix. But right now our goal is to re-sign him. Hannafin, obviously not the same. And right. you saw, you know, they were able to rip the bandaid off pretty quickly on Toffoli. Hannafin, Backlund, it's got to be Hannafin, the guy that could bring back the first. A hundred percent. And I, I would think, you know, Michael Backlund's a very nice part and maybe it, under a certain set of circumstances, you could command a first. I just don't know that now is it for a guy that's a third line center on a contending team. No, Hannafin's a top four and maybe a top pair guy for a lot of teams in this league. That that one. And, and look, he said that he, he's not interested in resigning. Michael's still a little wishy washy. Mm-hmm. It all starts with Hannafin for me, and I, I would hope it starts today, given they they pick at sixteen. Right. Hmm. So much happening around the yeah. Calgary Flames. Like honestly, between them and the Jets. You know, they both get a nice little piece of business done yesterday, but still the mountain is kind of uh, pretty high for Craig Conroy and company to climb. Yeah. Real quick. Did the extension surprise you? Or does that make sense? No, it makes sense for me. It's kind of, they knew making that trade right in the window that he would be in. So they, this wasn't probably a lot of heavy lifting to do to get there. Would you try to extract a third year there? Or is there just no leverage? It's only three years. 13 goal season. I just wonder why you're walking right to UFA. You didn't even get one year. Well, here's the thing. It's as you know, it's a two part negotiation and just look to Dan Milstein and his other client in Vladislav Gavrikov, Mm -hmm. who signed in L.A. only a two year deal. This is clearly something that the agent is selling to the player. You want two years, get to free agency as quickly as you can. But in the meantime, collect six point two million bucks from the Flames and, you know, put that in your pocket. Yeah, There you go. I see your co-host Boomer is here. So we will uh, we'll set you free. Barn Roaring guys going live in about 10, 15 minutes on the Flames Nation YouTube. Plenty going on there. Thanks for hopping on, though. Yeah, right on, guys. Thank you. Oh, uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes here at uh, at the Daily Faceoff Studios, Frank. Uh, <laughs> uh, big shout out to Pinder for joining us there. Time for one more inbox question before we get to betting and garbage time. Um, your line is always it's between Lou and God, or only Lou and God. Only no. God and uh, Lou. No, we've had it. We have a ton of Islanders fans actually in the chat. So I will just say again, how aggressive can they be? Uh, I here's the thing. Probably not that aggressive because they are really hamstrung with their cap and the term commitments that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they've been working the last few days to try and re-sign Scott Mayfield. I do think that they'd like to find a new landing spot for Josh Bailey and the deal that he's on. Both those things easier said than done, mm-hmm. given the cap space that they have. And I also think the need to try and shake things up yeah. A little bit. A little bit. All right. There you go. Shout out to everyone in the YouTube chat. Great stuff. As always, let's get to our Botano Daily Bets. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Draft props up now at Botano.ca. You know, you said it. You're walking around Nashville. We hear these rumblings. Oh, Mitch Kov too. Mitch Kov at two. Maybe they're going to pull one. The odds on Botano are very interesting. 19 to one is uh, is what 
Mitchkov sitting at to go exactly second overall. As you can see, the full board up here, Adam Fantilli, the runaway favorite at minus 667. But I want to talk about Mitchkov's over under. It's set at four and a half, meaning fourth overall or sooner. It's such gonna, a good line. It's going to pay you plus 200 to go under four and a half. I am tempted for a couple of reasons. One, you, you maybe he goes, right? Maybe either Anaheim or San Jose surprise us and take him. Also, Maybe there's a trade up. Maybe a team sits and goes, Hey, we're here in Montreal. Like some, we got it. We got to jump up with San Jose. We're Philly. Move up three spots. Get them at four. What do you think of the over four and a half over under four and a half? I think it's such a perfect line. Cause I think if he doesn't go at two, then he waits till after that. Mm. Unless someone trades up to get him. At f- I, I don't think the sharks are trading number four either way. Yeah. Uh, I do. As I reported in the piece this morning, the Canadians and Sharks did have at least one conversation about what that would be like to swap from five to four. And they found out that the price was high insane. Like it was almost a non-starter. Like it was like, we're not even talking about this. Uh, let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time. I want to talk about the guy going first overall and tie it into the schedule release last year. I felt like this was a perfect kind of thing. Let Connor Bedard debut at home. Madhouse on Madison, that franchise rocking in there it could have been a cool moment to see him debut on home ice instead a five game road trip to start the season for the blackhawks am i making a mountain out of a molehill frank all right i mean look (laughs) first off it's the lowest hanging fruit in the sport to bang on the schedule maker that's one two he's also opening on the road at Sidney crosby's house in pittsburgh bedard against crosby in terms of an nhl debut probably a pretty decent uh ratings draw so um yeah i don't have any issue with it and it all comes down to building availability like you're dealing with a really complicated matrix and i don't know yeah fair enough not gonna complain about the schedule never (laughs) i know all right uh draft day it's gonna be exciting keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com we'll have every update as news breaks thanks for tuning in hit the like button hit the subscribe button before you go and we will chat tomorrow at a special time, 10 a.m. Eastern is going to be Daily Faceoff Live tomorrow before round two of the draft. So we hope to see you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? 
That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.